everybody, Basil here, and this is the Canary Cry Radio pre-intro. Gons, are you there? I'm here. Wow, Go. you are remarkably clear there, Basil. What? Yeah, you you like this smooth, sultry voice. Yeah, what's going on over there? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm actually on a new little little recording system here, sitting in a a room that was formerly a junk room in my uh, in my apartment, and it thanks to the the very very generous support of a certain Canary Cry Radio listener, a huge fan. And just an all-around great person. Her name is Lena, and uh, she has uh, has really stepped up. We here at Canary Cry, uh, which is you and me, Gons. There's been a lot of stuff going on in our lives, and we don't need to make excuses for why there hasn't been an episode for very long, or in a long time. But I will say that the reason, uh, a big part of the reason that we're back right now, is because of the generous support of uh, a listener named Lena. And so, from the bottom of my heart. Very generous and uh, and and loving, caring person, Lena. I'm very grateful, and so is Gantz, right? Yes, Lena, yes. You are amazing. Thank you so much, and and that's why I sound so great because that's, of her. That's right. And um, does this mean that we get uh, more frequent episodes? This means we get some extremely more frequent than once every two months episodes. <laughs> very good, because uh, I think we've been getting a lot of people messaging us on our various platforms that we have ignored saying hey where are you guys hey what's going on when's the next episode uh, yes. i even saw somebody post a meme on facebook uh pronouncing our death yeah and it was brilliant and i loved it actually i almost didn't want to come back just to like i didn't want to make that meme or the person who made that meme a liar but uh <laughs> but here we are you're a liar that's a lying meme and uh you know you need to repent no, don't no 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 it's oh, not a sorry, lie sorry. I, I would was say really... i would say that the meme is now obsolete Okay. Yeah. Well, I like it. Keep it going. It, it's like we faked our own death. <laughs> you know, it's like Harrison Ford dies on the internet or like, you know, I don't know all those guys, but what's important is that we're back. We're back in action. We have new ambitions, new motivations, a little bit more time on our hands. And here we go. We're, we're back in the game. And so, uh, I, I will say, you know, I love man managing expectations, but I will say we will be back doing episodes much more frequently frequently unfortunately this mic doesn't have a pronunciation filter on it i still have to do that work myself um but it'll be more frequent episodes of canary cry radio proper as well as gons canary cry news Talk. Canary Cry News Talk, baby. Yeah, so, uh, you know, one big thing that we've kind of uh, tr tried to avoid uh, very unsuccessfully in a lot of cases is um, kind of just reporting on the day-to-day -day news because it, it, it just goes out of fashion so quickly. And we really want to try to keep Canary Cry Radio somewhat uh, timeless. Timeless. But what we're going to try to start doing here is at least once a week, we're going to start with once a week, right? Yeah. That's where we're doing. Yep. At least once a week. I will say again, at least once a week, there will be a, uh, a new podcast on a new stream. So you'll have to subscribe to it called Canary Cry News Talk, which is just going to be about half hour, 45 minutes of Gons and I uh, talking about recent events and all the complexities and simplicities uh, involved therein. Yeah, and it sort of comes from the idea of shows like Revelations Radio News and PID Radio 
And it's a similar thing where we just, you know, touch on the various events and news stories of that week and talk about them, express them. You know, we're not here in the reporting business. And so that's why it's tough because, you know, we're not trying to break any news stories. That's not our job. Our job is to sort of reflect right. on them and comment on them and see if and it maybe relates. give a little bit of context, give it context, give it biblical context. So that's sort of the idea of Canary Cry News Talk. And I'm yes. looking forward to doing it because I think it'll be a lot easier for us to say, hey, go listen to that episode of Canary Cry News Talk to hear about whatever the story is of said week than it is to you know try to respond to everybody. Uh, we do get a lot of questions about various things going on. And by the time on yeah, the daily and, and by the time sometimes I see the message, it's, you know, it's a little obsolete or, or, you know, right. No one cares. Or right. I answer it and they say, Oh, I saw this other person <laughs> give a much more better explanation than what you just gave me yeah. two weeks ago. So, so there you go. So you can see it. We will uh, feature uh, the first few episodes here on the Canary Cry radio channel or podcast stream, I guess it is. Yep. And so you can get a little taste for it, but then after that, you're going to need to subscribe to it. It's going to be Canary cry news talk and uh, we hope to see you guys there and we hope you like it and uh you know if you do like it let us know because yeah. we need to know those things and you'll get more time to hear this sweet sweet basil voice in this uh <laughs> brand new uh new age of here. basil the age of basil <laughs> yeah that's and the, it don't that's uh, the next avengers movie coming out age of basil gosh <laughs> and uh don't go to canarycrydnewstalk.com yet because there's nothing really there yet yeah yeah we're still building the whole thing but we got big plans and so uh there you go uh, just look out for that anyways in this episode we have a our, our good old pal anthony patch he's here to break some news for us you're gonna probably be hearing him uh making the podcast rounds here in the next week but hopefully Hopefully, we'll get them out here soon so you can hear it here first on Canary Cry Radio. <laughs> Your low end is much more uh, crispy. Yeah. yeah, it's partially because I just love hearing my own voice uh, with the system. I'm not going to lie. I, I know that it, it, it may be a little improper, maybe a little rude, maybe a little uh, uh, hubristic to enjoy the sound that I'm hearing right now. But I like it. <laughs> Sound and of your I, own voice. And I hope you guys do too, because I'm very excited. And once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Canarian Premier Lena. Yeah, and also everybody else who has been supporting us despite the fact that we That's have true. not put out an episode for the last That's couple true. months. That's uh, true. I don't want to. You guys yeah. are great. Uh, yeah. Everybody's great. You know, we haven't put out an episode in like two months, and uh, the, the donorship reflects that. And we totally don't blame anybody for backing out. You know, that's what happens. You know, if you're supporting something, you expect to get something back. And we did not deliver. We totally recognize that. Um, but also thank you for everybody who stuck through the two months without Canary Cry Radio and continued to support us because it's 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 actually making way for some really great things. You know, we talked about Canary Cry News Talk, but there's a lot more. There's other stuff that we are planning on doing now that we're back in the game. Yeah, and there's also another huge thing coming up in my personal life that I'm not going to, I'm not going to announce yet, but stay tuned for the huge personal thing in Gonz's life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if you're going to be movie guy or smooth jazz guy. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just kind of trying it out. You know, try is... try some smooth jazz. I'm gonna lay down some smooth jazz over over in uh, over your voice here. Go. Okay, okay, let me try. <clears throat> hey, you're listening to Smooth Jazz AM with Basil, and uh, now we've got uh, this this wonderful track by Gon Shimura. He's a he's a he's a new act on the scene, but you gotta say he really knows his way around a synthesizer. <laughs> Is that good? That was good. I love that. I'm working on it. I'll, I'll keep practicing. Yeah. You, you, you stumbled a little bit. Yeah. You wouldn't get I, hired I, yet, but I really wanted to dive into the movie voice. Yeah, the movie um, voice okay. is more fun. <laughs> okay. We've got some important information to give oh, that's everybody right, right portals now. Portals and CERNs and Yes, portals, CERN. The, the <laughs> plural in- CERNs. CERNs. Uh concerns. Oh, uh, and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Artificial intelligence. This is Anthony Patch. This is actually really big. So uh, pay attention. Get into it. Mr. Anthony Patch. Here we go. This is Canary Cry Radio. From the outside, they look like giant black monoliths. Big metal boxes. About 10 feet on a side. 12 feet tall. They have a fridge inside them, a refrigerator that cools these chips to almost absolute zero. Hundreds of times colder than interstellar space. These fridges, interestingly enough, which are called pulse tube dilution refrigerators, have a thing called a pulse tube, which emits a sound roughly once per second, which sounds eerily like a heartbeat. You have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines. It is an awe-inspiring thing, at least for me. It feels like an altar to an alien god. At the heart of this big box is a tiny chip about the size of your thumbnail. And on this chip resides all of the wonder and magic that makes this thing go. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 108. 108. That's a it's a good one. It's a it's, good number. It's a good number. And we have our friend Anthony Patch on the show. If you want to know the full introduction, just go back a couple episodes and he's there and we talked to him last time and it's been a while since that last one, but in Canary Cry years, it hasn't been that long, right, Basil? That's true. It's true. It's been a while since we've uh, put something out, but here we are. We're we're ready and raring. And Anthony, uh, you know, has just uh, he's just so excited. I can hardly contain him. <laughs> What's up, Anthony? Hey guys, thanks for having me back. No, there's a lot going on, as you well know. But I'm pretty excited about the topics that we've got here tonight because uh, really nobody's broke this information, and it's. You know, some of it people have heard about, like the Mandela effect, but we're going to break some information tonight uh, on a lot of topics that nobody has heard up until this point. So thanks for having me on. You betcha, buddy. And you know what? I am so excited about this. Um, You know, the Mandela effect thing, that kind of popped up, I think, in full force a couple months ago. I mean, at least in the Facebook realm and kind of what's being passed around, the Mandela effect really had a heyday a little while back. Um, you know, kind of got as much as many people uh, riled up as the flat earth did. Um, and, you know, there's obviously been to, uh, a lot of arguments for it, a lot of, you know, people trying to debunk it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, but it's definitely something that garnered a lot of attention. And I think, you know, in some way deserves the attention that it got. Now, you, on the other hand, 
you've been in uh, what in some secret lab somewhere uh, preparing your, your some research to blow everybody's mind. Well, no secret laboratory per se, but I do a lot of research, as you guys know, and I do a lot of public speaking as well. And Gons and I got together in Colorado for a great public speaking event. And, uh, you know, it's just that he and I and yourself, Basil, I mean, we're just absorbing information coming at us like a fire hose now. Yeah. And trying to keep up with it and sort it all out and, and pick out what are the relevant topics that we can even begin to discuss is really tough. But I've had a lot of people emailing me and asking me at, at speaking events, what's my take on the Mandela effect? And I've wanted to hold off until I really did enough analysis to come up with something that uh, I think was credible and reasonable and something that people could understand. And that's what we're going to present tonight. Smart guy. Sounds like a smart plan. And before we dive in too deep here, uh, as some of you might know, I did a couple of videos debunking the Mandela effect in some effect. Uh, not completely, not totally, but just looking at some of the claims made and investigating them, testing them. You know, that's what we're supposed to do, right? So I did that, and I think some of the changes that were claimed in the KJV Bible weren't as compelling if you started digging a little bit and, you know, then your arguments would have to shift into all sorts of different areas of, well, you know, it changed in the timeline, therefore it changed everything from the past and therefore it changed, you know, so there's like this answer where you can wiggle around it, but then we're at, you know, we go into the realm of complete speculation. And so that's the one thing that this thing does, but it does raise a lot of different questions. And Anthony, you have a really interesting take on this whole thing. So why don't you jump into the whole Mandela portals? Do it. Yeah, I've kind of changed the name a little bit to portals. And that is purposeful because... A little bit of rebranding? It is a rebranding, definitely. Uh, What is allowing this information to alter our reality, our dimension is coming through dimensional portals from parallel universes. And this is coming courtesy of D-Wave Corporation mm-hmm. by way of their quantum computers known as adiabatic, adiabatic quantum computers. I call them the AQCs. And I've spoken about these quite a bit with, with Gons before on other you know, conversations. And there's a tie between the AQCs, and the Large Hadron Collider, which many people have heard that CERN's trying to open portals. So we have portals that are being opened both by a quantum computer and multiple models of that computer, as well as the attempt eventually, not yet, but eventually by the LHC at CERN. So I'll let you guys jump in. Yeah, well, I know Gans uh, has had conversations with you about this. I, on the other hand, have been purposefully uh, not using my big red telephone here that uh, dials straight to your landline um, because, you know, I want to come at it here on the episode with uh, a little bit of curiosity. So, you know, we've heard a lot about portals. I actually, fun fact, I, uh, I know somebody actually who's helped me with some uh, computer things here uh, who put in a few applications to work at D-Wave and uh you know he was excited about it and I kept my mouth shut for the most part but uh you know they're doing some really crazy things up there with the quantum computing um I talked a little bit 
about, uh, not about, but with Josh Peck, um, both on a personal level as well as I saw his, uh, I was actually in uh, Colorado. Yeah, that's where it was, Colorado, at uh, the Rocky Mountain Prophecy Conference there. And he gave a, um, you know, some good old Josh Peck uh, portal talk there. Um, but uh, but why don't you uh, give us just a, a little, just, a, just give me a little teaser real quick. Well, essentially, the functionality, the way that the adiabatic quantum computer, the AQC, operates is it operates using what is or employing what is known as quantum tunneling, basically taking something in our dimension, our reality that is in a quantum state, and sending it to another dimension. And they call this a um, combinatorial program or combinatorial optimization, as it's known in mathematics. They insert a problem into another dimension and extract from that other dimension a solution. And I've included on my website a uh, link to a YouTube video of a recent presentation by the chief technology officer, Gordy Rose, from D-Wave, in which he explains in a little more detail what I just gave to you in a thumbnail. This is an interdimensional operational quantum computer. Do they? And do, they're accessing thousands of parallel dimensions. Right. Do they use that language? Do they actually say, you know, we're breaking in into other dimensions to? Uh, oh yeah. Get answers yeah. in a quantum computer. That device can be in this strange situation where these two parallel universes have a nexus, a point in space where they overlap, and when you increase the number of these devices. Every time you add one of these qubits, you double the number of these parallel universes that you have access to until such time when you get to a chip like this, which is about 500 of these bits, you have something like 2 to the 500th power of these guys living in that chip. So the way I think about it is that the shadows of these parallel worlds overlap with ours. And if we're smart enough, we can dive into them and grab their resources and pull them back into ours to make an effect in our world. Now, this may sound very odd to you and bizarre, and in fact, I am using language that a normal theoretical physicist probably wouldn't use, but this is, what I'm telling you is absolutely correct and in line with the way that they see them. They specifically use the terms parallel dimensions, parallel universes. Uh, here's, Here's a couple quotes that really jumped out at me and also Anthony that he, you know, even documented it on his website. Uh, in the video, Gordy Rose says that when he stands next to the D wave computer and he has, he shows a picture of it. He says, you can hear a pulse. Uh, he calls it, you know, pulse tube dilation refrigerators. And he says, it sounds eerily like a heartbeat. That's a direct quote. And then wow. a couple seconds or a few seconds later, he says, it feels like an altar to an alien God. Whoa. Yep. That's, C- CTO, that's pretty, CTO of D waves in this on stage. Yeah, that's um, pretty straightforward. Now for those, I know a lot of people have been following this, this whole quantum computing thing and it kind of fits in with a, a lot of the prophecy stuff and, uh, you know, market the beast and, and AI and robots taking over the world and opening dimensions and things. Um, but Anthony, can you just give a quick summation of just the very basic components of, you know, quant- quantum computing? 
Well, quantum computing uses, um, in the, the case of this adiabatic from D-Wave, they use qubits in place of transistors. Qubits allow uh, ones and zeros, um, bits or bytes and digital information to exist in a dual state called supersymmetry. It's a dual state in which ones can be ones at the same time as they can be zeros and vice versa. You essentially have a, um, a four-way programming, what I would call if I was going to use a D-Wave computer for programming um, and creating a language of programming, I would call it quadinary instead of binary. So if people think of a four-way programming process, that's a real bastardized way of describing the programming that takes place with this computer. And as I said, using quantum tunneling, that means moving through dimensional barriers. If you want to talk about piercing the veil, um, they use quantum tunneling, which is not theoretical. It is an actual process in which you're able to access another quantum state. That quantum state is often described as a parallel dimension. The only difference between a parallel dimension and one of our own, according to Gordy Rose in this video, is the state of that qubit in the computer that is accessing that dimension. The state of that qubit can be defined as what is the programming that's been inserted into that qubit and then using quantum tunneling to send that information to transmit it to another dimension and receive that dimensional solution back. And quite honestly, they still to this day don't really understand the process right. that's involved in getting that solution. Yeah, and, and quantum tunneling, is that? are we talking about wormholes, like little tiny wormholes? What does that mean exactly? Well, you can think of it that way. If you picture a, a graphically picture um, sort of a bell curve, except one that's more like a peak. So on in our dimension, you have the base of this peak, and we have a, a combinatorial problem we want to insert. Now, if we want, we can go the hard way, the typical transistor-based direction of a quantum computer, and use a whole lot of power to go all the way up this graph, all the way to the peak, and then back down the other side. Well, if you use a quantum state, you can actually go through the base of that peak by powering through or tunneling through, and it is not really like a wormhole in that sense of how people think of it in terms of time or uh, traveling in you know space through the universe. You're really talking about it in nanoscale, moving through one threshold of power to another threshold of power. Uh, quantum state is not a stable state, but you're actually piercing through to another state by sort of cheating the system is what I would call it. Now, when we talk about the, the physical and the spiritual and where it touches, where is that point? Can you trace the physical? At what point does it become you know, the other side? Well, I think the best way to describe the spiritual is the quantum effects that are taking place that Einstein, when he talked about quantum effects such as a quantum entanglement, entanglement of like particles at a distance, even light years separated, that you affect one or measure one here, it affects the one at the other end. He called it um, spooky action at a distance. 
And when you talk about quantum entanglement or you talk about quantum effects or quantum states, you're talking about states that if you observe the state, you change it. If you measure the state, you change it. These are very unstable states. However, that's the closest representation that we have in the physical world of the spiritual itself is this quasi-physical, quasi-stable state that we just put the label quantum on for lack of a better definition. But when we are measuring quantum states, not only are we affecting them, but we're actually looking into the spiritual realm because the effects cannot be in the world of physics quantified or measured accurately or even explained. And therefore, someone like Einstein calls it spooky action because he doesn't know how to describe it. But in today's science, we call quantum, as we in the theological world, if you will, or spiritual belief world, that's the spiritual that is causing that state to change, to influence it. There are spiritual influences upon the physical realm occurring at the quantum level. Wow. So what's interesting there is, you know, this this whole idea of parallel universes, some question if they even exist. But, you know, there's a commonality between the quantum computer and CERN in the collider, which is the temperature, right? How they bring it down to as close to absolute zero as they possibly can. What's, right. what's the reason for that? Why do they make it so cold? Well, in terms of the, um, both machines, what you're talking about is superconductivity. Adiabatic in the adiabatic quantum computer means without heat. So you're removing heat from the equation so that you, in terms of a computer, you are reducing the errors, what they call decoherence. You're trying to maintain the coherent state of the quantum state by eliminating electromagnetic interference. So you have a box, you have a cube, the black cube that you see the computer pictured in, which is really a shielding so that electromagnetic spectrums are blocked, um, be they radio, you know, microwave, etc., from interfering with the quantum state in the qubit that resides in the supercooled environment. So the supercooling is a form of shielding, but it is also superconductivity because you have a qubit which has gold um, segments, gold pieces, and you have what are called Josephson junctions. And those junctions have to be shielded from any electromagnetic interference. So there's a... um, a clean pathway, a conductivity pathway for the electrons. You're taking out all of the resistance. When you look at the Large Hadron Collider, they're supercooling the collider, specifically the magnets, the superconducting magnets. When you bring them down to near absolute zero, you're eliminating most, if not all, of the resistance, and therefore you can raise the amperage level and pump through more electricity through the magnets Thus, you have them operating at 100,000 times the magnetic force of the Earth's own magnetic lines of force. They operate at 8.3 Tesla. The Earth operates at less than that. It's about a quarter of a Tesla. Anyway, I'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the, I, 
This is knowing uh, eight point some odd Teslas. It just sounds big and scary. So I'm sure that's uh, that's some pretty intense power going through that. So now here's here's my question. Now we've all heard of the Mandela effect, and if you haven't out there, which it would be hard to believe, but if you haven't heard of the Mandela effect, it's a, it's a phenomenon. Uh, that's being claimed to be happening, that uh, someone or something, or even just by accident, uh, things are being changed in our world, uh, what do you say, retroactively? What do you say, Gans? Is that a, a simple well, enough explanation? The exact phenomenon is remembering something in your head as being a certain way, but then on paper or on video or something like that, it's recorded a different way. And right, so, which a, it, it happens. A that, regular person would say, "You just have a bad memory." Yeah, exactly. That so, okay. at one level, yes, that's the phenomenon, and it and it's strange because you always thought it to be one way, but then you find out it's another way. Um, that that's the phenomenon itself, the supernatural or you know CERN being responsible for it, and actual changes to the Bible and the strong delusion and all the that. Theory. That that is piggybacked on that idea. And I don't know if that's, it's become, you know, the, the phrase Mandela effect has become defined as that, you know, supernatural thing happening. Sure. But uh, initially it wasn't necessarily that. It was just a strange, you know, mind, you know, psychological phenomenon, if you will. Right. Uh, but now it's considered this big thing. And um, I'm going to let Anthony just go with it here and how it relates to portals and, and yeah, how, I- how this whole thing of CERN even connects to it at all, you know, in the actual scientific way, if you will. Yeah, Anthony, if you'd start out, I'd like if you started out with just what your initial reaction to learning about the Mandela effect was. Did you immediately well, think it was some sort of uh, interdimensional thing? I laughed about it. I actually laughed because, you know, I have this kind of sensitivity to when something is a psychological operation. Right. I call it the game. And, you know, Gons and I talked about it earlier today that if you have the benefit of the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean to sound like a preacher, but the Holy Spirit gives us the power of discernment and reveals things to us. And when I first heard about the Mandela effect, I saw, because of the Holy Spirit's you know, um, gifting me of this, if you will, I saw it as a game. And I, and I started to laugh about this, because I could see that they were playing the masses. They were playing a trick on us. Yes, there are things that have been changed in print and in video and whatnot, but on my website, I go to great length to describe what the game is and how it's being played. It has to do with something called Monte Carlo. In statistics and mathematical um, predictive modeling, which is used in particle physics, the Monte Carlo Statistical Predictive Analysis Program, that's a mouthful, it is used to predict human behavior in the sense of the Mandela effect puts out an effect into the public consciousness, and then the D-Wave computer looks at the cause and effect. When you put this into the public consciousness, what does it do to the public consciousness? How is it spread? How is it communicated? How do people react to it? All of that is for the purpose of predictive modeling, the building of algorithms that will predict human behavior. 
this all comes down to, at the end of the discussion, to control, controlling people. And I'm being very brief here. There's a lot more on my website. But the point here is the Mandela effect is a psyops. It's a psychological operation so that better models of predictive human behavior can be built. These Mandela effects are an after effect of the accessing of parallel dimensions by the D-Wave computers. And it is a taste of what's to come when the main portal is opened at CERN. So I'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as soon as you start talking about interdimensional portals and things, you know, stuff like the Mandela effect, you know, make a little bit of sense. You know, that's that's been the struggle in all science fiction having to do with portals and interdimensions and uh, time travel and things like that is, you know, things get changed. It just sort of happens. So what I feel like I'm hearing you say is that um, the Mandela effect, while, you know, being a PSYOP in its, uh, you know, social engineering potential uh, is actually a real phenomenon happening happening because of the interdimensional uh, maybe tentacles that are being created by the D-Wave computers and the quantum computing. Um, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, uh, am I getting this straight here? Yep, yep, you're right. You're right on track. Man, I like- am on fire. <laughs> what I'd like to share with you is the fact that thousands of portals are being opened. So I'm going to give you guys some numbers if you want to take notes, but I've put these on my website as well. But in the video that I've linked, on the website with Gordy Rose, he talks about the fact that with the, the Model 512, if you multiply 500 to 512, he takes 500 qubits, and you multiply the number of qubits by 2, you now have the number of dimensions that are being opened. In other words, twice the number of qubits in a model number of a adiabatic quantum computer equals the number of parallel universes that they're accessing at a given point. Okay? Okay. Okay. These these computers are running continuously. They are accessing thousands of parallel dimensions. Thousands of portals are being opened. They only last for picoseconds, just moments in time. But they're opening these small portals, and thousands of them, they, by his own statement in the video, they are extracting resources, as he calls it. In other words, answers and solutions, but resources is what he calls from these parallel dimensions. There is information. There are resources, however he wants to break that word down, that are entering our dimension on a continual basis from thousands of dimensions. So is is he talking about, is he talking about, you know, resources as in computing resources? Is this data being given back and forth? Or are we talking about, I mean, it sounds like they're talking to some spiritual beings or something. Well, definitely, definitely. You cannot separate the spiritual from the physical. I always say that. So you have the entering into our dimension of spiritual influences and entities. Just like is going to happen when the main portal is opened at CERN, that is what I have called the freeway of spiritual entities that will be traveling through a fixed, stable, 
opening to parallel universes into our dimension. Right now, we're getting just a taste of that. So, yes, there are spiritual entities along with information that's entering into our dimension right now, and it's causing psychological effects upon people as well as altering our physical environment. I noticed pretty heavily, and I think, Basil, you have too, and and we've talked about it, how it's just the chaos level is just out of control, right? And and we've talked about where we are now and the election season and all this. And, you know, on, on the podcast, we haven't really expressed too much of, you know, what's been going on, but we'll, you know, do a better job of that. But in any case, the world seems like it's going crazy. And it seems like, you know, touching back on what you said about the whole PSYOP idea, we are... I guess we're kind of contributing to the whole system, right? By having our opinions, our opinions about what this is, maybe perhaps calling it out at face value. Is that going to identify us as uh, (laughs) problems to uh, what might be laying ahead? You want me to answer that? I don't know. I'm just throwing (laughs) it out there. See what you guys think. Do you have an opinion? Sure, I have an opinion, yeah. It it definitely sets us up as um, persons of interest, if you will, by those that don't want the information out there. However, the full armor of God I rest assured in. The Holy Spirit protects us, so that's where I go, and I'm not going to preach tonight. But let's get back to some numbers. I'd like to reveal something for you. We talked about the number of dimensions, so if you take the model 512 and multiply it two times, that gives you basically, you know, the number of dimensions that particular computer is, you know, accessing. However, there are, you know, newer models. There's the 1024, and there's also the 2048. Now, the 2048, you don't hear in the public arena being discussed, only the 1024. The 1024 was was announced in February of last year, in 2015. What they did not reveal at the time was the fact that that was actually a 2048. The model numbers, again, refer to the number of qubits, kind of like transistors, the number of qubits in the computer. Now, the 2048 was released in February. They only used half of those qubits to run tests and to put out for public consumption the capabilities of the computer, which at that time they cited the 1024 as having the equivalent processing power of 7 billion human brains. What they failed to mention was the fact that it was artificially intelligent, and that point they put out an impress release back in 2010 projecting to 2015 saying that when they come out with the 1024, it will be artificially intelligent. They failed to cite that last year. But just to wrap your, try to wrap your head around a computer that can process like 7 billion human brains is ridiculous. You can't even imagine what the capabilities are. All right, that's the 1024. It's actually a 2048 when oh, they use all of the qubits. Now I'm going to give you a new number. Okay, you still with me? I'm following. I'm tracking. (laughs) Now, nobody has talked about the 2048, and certainly no one has talked about the doubling of that number, which is 4096. 
Now, the reason that I'm giving you 4096 is because in the video with Gordy Rose, and this is a well-known statement, going back to when D-Way was, was first um, announced as a corporation, they internally came up with a new version of Moore's Law. Moore's Law says with transistors, the number of transistors on a chip will double every 18 months. Well, Gordy Rose's co-workers came up with what they call Rose's Law. Rose's Law says, and he states it in the video, but doesn't call it Rose's Law, states that the number of qubits doubles every 12 months. If you go back to February of last year and February of this year, that's 12 months. The 2048 from last year is now a 4096. What that equates to in terms of the number of parallel dimensions that that computer accesses on a continual basis is 8,192 dimensions. And I'll stop there. Oh, my gosh. That's too many dimensions, in my opinion. <laughs> too many possibilities. Yeah, so so this computer, this which, uh, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, you said this thing is artificially intelligent now. Mm-hmm. So we have an artificially intelligent computer accessing over 8,000 dimensions at a time, sending, well, I don't know, computations or questions or problems into 8,000 dimensions, getting answers from the, up to eight over 8,000 dimensions, uh, in which dimensions exist some, uh, most likely some not-so-nice uh, beings who are making some sort of connection with our world. Right. Gone, gone to my tracking here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you, yeah, you're, you're, you're right on. Okay, you're okay, on. I just want to make sure everybody's along with me here. <laughs> We're all learning together, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so now, how does this, I mean, that's just mind-blowing. That's, that's more than sci-fi. Like, you can't write a movie that, that, that's that intense. I mean, any science fiction movie that's come out uh, just pales in, in comparison to that. I, they haven't even touched on... Uh, artificially intelligent computers accessing other dimensions. Um, right. <laughs> so, so the truth is truly stranger, stranger than fiction here in this case. Now, so I, I'm still a little curious, and excuse me if I'm being a little basic here. Uh, so that is what's causing the Mandela effect. Now, are, are these beings doing it on purpose, or are they actually making these physical changes, or... Are they just messing with our heads to make us think that these physical changes are taking place? Yes, this is purposeful. In fact, what they're doing to build these algorithms of predictive human behavior is to ask the other side, what areas of the human population should be altered? What should be targeted in popular culture that will incite the most obvious and largest most widespread effect amongst the you know the, the the general population of the planet. Right. So they start with the basics, but then it goes much more deeply and more complex than that, and it becomes not so much the psychological operation of the Mandela effect, but more specifically to what should be changed in this reality. And Gonz and I talked earlier today about changing what I call the analog 
reality that we experience right. to the digitized reality that is being pushed and programmed towards people to accept and to demand that augmented reality. And that is what is being targeted and brought through to us is what digitally should that augmentation look like? Yeah, it's really a fascinating thing when you start talking about it because it, again, it's that connecting point between the spiritual and physical. Right. Um, but, you know, there's a, just touching on that idea with the quantum computer being artificially intelligent, maybe throwing out, you know, because the internet seems to be a very easy place for different kinds of ideas to be presented um, in, you know, places where it's visible, large populations, and it can kind of control or at least see the behavior of human beings, right? Sort of try to conduct this large social experiment. Well, there's this interesting thing called the Mariana's Web, and, you know, it's kind of a joke to some, but it's this idea of, you know, there's the internet, and then there's the deep web, and dark net, and then beneath that, there's the Mariana's Web. And the rumors have it that, you know, you can only access it using polymeric falcogel derivation. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. But it requires quantum computers to access the Mariana's Web. So it's kind of like this internet beneath the internet. And so it's easy to, to imagine if there is an artificially intelligent entity that sort of exists to use that access point to sort of lurk on the internet, right? Right. It's kind of right. creepy when you think about it. No, it's it's absolutely terrifying. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. This whole this whole entire thing is but, but completely that's, frightening. Yeah, but that's kind of where, you know, the whole work of what we're doing comes into play because we're exposing it and obviously all the darkness will be exposed to light at some point. And you know, we don't have to worry about it, but yeah. In 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 a way it's really kind of interesting to consider what we're really building. And that's why, you know, earlier in our discussion, Anthony, I brought up Pokemon Go because Obviously, oh, it's the big phenomenon, but you know, um, you know, there are spiritual implications there that tie in with technology and how you know it's all leading to certain aspects that we see prophetically. Not that Pokemon Go is fulfilling any particular prophecy, but you know, <laughs> just just to say that you know the steps are being taken. Right, and along those same lines, and I want to toss it over to you, Anthony. You know this this whole thing with the dimensions and the the spiritual beings and the Mandela effect and the social uh, engineering and the social manipulation. I mean, this uh, obviously reeks and mirrors of uh, some pretty blatant occult engagement. Um, have you found, or have you looked for, or is it uh, out there waiting to be? discovered any like overt occult connections with d-wave obviously there have been some connections made with cern in uh, you know a number of different ways um is there anything like that i mean is he a, is the, the 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 man you mentioned earlier is he like a known black magician or no no <laughs> gordy gordy rose is who you're referring to no i'm not saying that these are practitioners of the occult in the sense that, you know, these guys are running around with, you know, black hoods on and, you know, performing rituals. However, right. um, Gons had cited a statement that Gordy made in the video that kind of gives a hint to what's going on. And I'm not going to, you know, defame these guys in the sense that, you know, they are practitioners of the occult. 
However, you've got to ask yourself when the chief technology officer says things like, first of all, and I, and I know you covered this, Gons, already in the, in the promo for the show, but at the 12-14 mark in the video, he says, pulse dilation refrigerators and, quote, sounds eerily like a heartbeat. In other words, the cooling system pulses once per minute, and he says when you stand next to it, it sounds like a heartbeat. But here's the kicker. At 12.36 in the video, he says, and I quote, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Unquote. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's some pretty serious uh, business right there. <laughs> I mean, why would a chief technology officer, and I, I credit you, Gons, for, for citing this and and relating it to what I'm about to say. But, yeah, it's amazing when you've got a guy who's on the leading edge of technology and he starts talking about, you know, an alien god. Who are they communicating with? So another way that I can relate this is, you know, most of us have heard the stories and read a number of books that talk about the Nazis involved with the occult and that they were getting information from the other side that advanced their technology and weaponry. I don't see that there's any difference here. I, I, I really don't hold anything against these guys. I feel sorry for them, and I feel sorry for their unsaved souls. But they're clearly communicating with people other than, as Gon said, they're communicating with entities other than God himself and other than Jesus. So they can't really be good people. Yeah, you know, it really goes... Um... You know, to speak to the fact that you don't necessarily have to be a, an occult practitioner or a, you know, hundredth level black magician uh, ninja to, right. you know, be in contact with beings that uh, are are pretty unsavory. Yeah, I mean, if they're trying to modify our dimension, our reality, uh, I don't think they have good intentions. So this is so that's a conscious thing. They're actually trying to alter the reality. This isn't just a, a just a byproduct that they weren't uh, expecting, or they're not trying to do. They're they're actively working towards altering our reality from a from their perspective, a quantum level or an interdimensional level. Yes, as Gordy stated, they're extracting resources from the other side. They're trying to harvest resources. They're actively pursuing. What is what resides in other dimensions in order to change and influence this one? When I talked about the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, and a lot of its effects, like the magnets, etc., I I put that in the under the bigger umbrella of terraforming the planet, terraforming the planet for a new race of beings. And we've heard these kinds of things thrown around out, you know, in popular culture, the new race of beings. Right. Well, this is exactly what's going on with the computers. They are terraforming at a quantum scale. I do not care for that. <laughs> yeah, that's really fascinating, you know, and I would imagine some people are out there saying, you know, who cares? What, why should this matter? You know, and, um, you know, you mentioned this in your notes, Anthony, and I've made videos about it and, you know, I've talked about it quite a bit with quantum computers and everything else. They are deployed to Lockheed Martin a couple housed at USC. Google owns these quantum computers. NASA yep. 
and so does CERN. And so if you start thinking about these large institutions, corporations, uh, especially NASA, you know, you're talking about tax dollars going in that direction. So basically we're paying for these guys to have these quantum computers. And so there you have it. It goes right into your pockets. So that's how we can connect these things uh, close to home. It's all your fault for paying your taxes. (laughs) But, you know, there's clues about what they're doing in space as well. That's really fascinating that ties into this stuff. Obviously, you know, some people think there's no space. Let's not go there for the sake of the conversation. You know, there's so much news coming out about things being discovered in space. You know, they even announced a possible planet X with an elliptical orbit. You know, that kind of stuff is pretty unprecedented. If you think about it coming from the scientific community, and then you have these satellites that they launched last year and they fly to, uh, to uh, detect, um, I think, I believe it's protons out in space and they fly in a tetrahedral shape and that ties directly to the tetrahedron, which is being instituted in CERN. And so there's like this connection with going out into space and going deep and, you know, deep into space far away, the large scale sort of uh, aspect of creation and reaching that infinite, if you will, that border of largeness. And then the opposite direction, quantum going small, going to the tiniest elements, touching that infinite, and it kind of loops back around. And so yep. we're, we're, you know, so the, the tie between CERN and quantum computing and NASA specifically, Lockheed Martin, these institutions or uh, corporations actually uh, that are involved with rocketry and outer space, there's a huge connection that I don't know if a lot of people are considering when looking at this topic. Yeah, I was going to say it, that hadn't even been mentioned in this interview yet. The fact that, that, you know, I think when we talk about D-Wave, we think, oh, just this one company, I believe they're in Canada or something, aren't they? They right. have these Columbia. computers and they're doing crazy things, but they're selling these computers to the very institutions that are the most <laughs> terrifying institutions already. They're, they're putting these crazy computing interdimensional weapons in the hands of NASA Lockheed Martin, I stop me when I name a company that you guys actually like trust and believe in. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. They're spending the money. And, you know, there have been skeptics, right, of D-Wave, people saying, well, we don't know. It's not actually quantum computing. Well, then why are these companies spending how much are each one of these, like $100 million and, or something? Yeah, the latest figure that's often bantied around, and it's kind of a figure that's been out there for several years, but... They always cite $10 million per computer. Uh, They're a lot more expensive than that, especially when you talk about the number of qubits like I am, you know, 4096, 4,096 qubits. They're a lot more than $10 million. I smell our new Kickstarter campaign getting (laughs) typed in right now. Canary Cry Quantum Computer. (laughs) It will be in your home. Yeah, I think well, that would be a great use of donation connection. Let's talk about the connection, because, right. John, you're right. We're, we're talking about as above, so below. And that even goes into the occult practices. That goes into the New Age practices. They cite as above, so below. But what we're talking about here in science is we're looking at the nanoscale all the way out to the cosmological scale. And as I have said many times. I have a model of the universe. It's a geometric model. It's a sphere. The universe out to the known limits actually forms a sphere. That sphere is comprised of tetrahedrons. 
The tetrahedron is the original shape if you want to ascribe to the Big Bang Theory, but if there's a point of origin to the universe, that point of origin is a tetrahedron. It's a three-sided triangle. It's self-replicating. It moves out, much like the Big Bang process, if you will, expanding outward, replicating more and more tetrahedrons. You can see the tetrahedral pattern at the nanoscale as well as the cosmological scale. So that's a very quick synopsis of my model of the universe, but also on my website under um, Urgent Discoveries tab 2, I put out a video or a site of video that discusses what are appear to be hexagons all over the planet that people have seen in their geology classes, not just geometry, but in geology, devil's post pile and other pilings of um, stone, if you will, that in their cross-section are hexagons. Now, this relates to the elements of the Earth all the way out to the northern pole of Saturn, which is the hexagon. You see it in CERN with their detectors, the geometric arrangement. Tetrahedrons, hexagons, pentagons, all these things replicate throughout our universe. So this isn't something that I'm just making up. I'm simply observing the numbers and the scales in which tetrahedrons are reproducing, and that's how I come up with my model of the universe being a sphere, a geodesic dome sphere, if you will. But I'll stop there. Whew. Knocked us out. Where did Basil go? Basil disappeared. Ah, I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> Getting used to this whole mute button thing. Oh, I've been yeah, talking good. this whole time. You guys didn't get any of that genius stuff I just said? Nope. Sorry. Oh. Well, you want to try I it for- again? I forgot it. Uh, you forgot what you just said? It's <laughs> so, the Mandela effect. It's the, <laughs> they're on to me. Well, okay, so Anthony, that uh, I mean that that is really mind-blowing and I'm really just hoping that people are able to track uh, at least as well as I am, because any less than as good as I'm tracking, and people are in trouble. Um, <laughs> You're the standard. <laughs> I set a I set a moderate bar. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Gons, is this all stuff that you've talked with Anthony before about? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we we even had private conversations about some of this stuff and private behind doors behind doors. Well, of I don't know about that. No, not 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 that. But yeah, we've talked about this stuff in in some depth and and i know anthony's chapters coming up in this book revising reality uh gets into a lot of this stuff too what what are some of the things that you see as the key because let's tie this into revelation 9 1 because we did that a little bit last time but you've uh you've looked at this idea of a key that you know opens the bottomless pit and and you've uh come to some revelations about that share us uh some of those things share us share us okay Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oopsies, losing them a little bit. Connection really bad. Are you there, Anthony? Uh-oh. Oh, you sound like a robot. They're on to us. <laughs> you sound like a dying robot. I was just learning to love. <laughs> um, Should we check our connection again? Yeah. Okay, we're leaving this in. This is all going in the show. <laughs> Oh. oh, they really put the muffler on him. 
Yeah, they really got you. They're trying to they're trying to quiet you down. Okay. Let's reconnect. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up Anthony and I'm gonna call him back. It's behind the scenes. Behind the scenes stuff. Carry Cry Radio. <laughs> really connections. Awesome. Mandela effect. Uh by the way, just uh, so everybody knows, the name the Mandela effect was because everybody thought Mandela died in, in prison, but it turns out he didn't. There you are. Alrighty. Ah, oh, much back. back. Thank you. Good. Okay. So we were somewhere. I don't remember. We were talking about the key. The key. The key. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, tell us about the key. Well, in the Bible, it talks about the key to the bottomless pit. And when the angel is tossed out of heaven and he carries the key to earth and provides the key to mankind to open the doorway to the abyss. Well, the doorway happens to be where CERN is. And uh, that is the doorway to the, uh, or the, the site of the ancient Roman temple to Apollyon or Abaddon, the destroyer. Anyway, it's theorized that CERN is located over the, the doorway to the abyss. And the key is not really well defined. I haven't found much, and I think Gons backs me up on this, that anyone's really broken down or defined what the key is. Well, in my estimation, the key is actually a code. Um, when you're talking about cryptology or coded messages, those messages require a key to write the message as well as to decipher, to break the code at the other end. Well, the code, the key, is really a code of information that is necessary for opening this stable, large-scale, interdimensional portal that CERN has been focused on since they built the machine. And that's by their own admission. They're trying to open an interdimensional portal. But in order to open the doorway to the abyss, they need that last final bit of information. That information is coded information. And the key to that will be provided. They don't have it yet. But this is where it gets a little bit complex, but I'm going to make it really short. People can go and read this on my website if they want. But the model numbers of the D-Wave computers, not only are the number of qubits in the computer, but it's also the number of bits, B-I-T-S, bits, that are in a cryptologically produced coded message. The, one of the original goals in building the first D-Wave computer was to break an algorithm of bits. And the number of bits was 2048. That is also the model number of the computer that they released last year. Shor's algorithm, Shor's algorithm in mathematics is 2048. That means they have to break that algorithm, that code, by finding all of the prime numbers. And I know I, I, people's eyes are glazing over. So what I'm trying to do is simplify this. Read it on my website. But the goal of the computer was to break Shor's 2048 algorithm. By doing that, they could read all coded information anywhere on the planet. You have to have a quantum computer, an adiabatic quantum computer, to be able to break Shor's algorithm, 
you can then use that computer to write your own coded information. Now, beyond that, they can use the adiabatic to break the code of the key that unlocks the doorway to the abyss. This computer, and it's not the 2048 model, it's now the 4096. The 4096 will break the code that provides the information for unlocking the abyss. And I'll stop there. And this code you're talking about, this is, uh, like, what exactly is that? Is that the code that's going to help CERN open a portal? Is it a, the portal that's they're already opening? I mean, if they're already able to open little portals, they're just trying to find a code to get a bigger portal. Right. Oh, yikes. <laughs> and this power is in the hands of institutions like NASA and uh, what Lockheed Martin, you said, and Google. You know, just the people, you know, who have all sorts of uh, interest in breaking codes, breaking unbreakable codes. Exactly. And having their own coded system that no one else can decipher. And on top of that, these computers are artificially intelligent, breaking codes, opening interdimensional portals. That's correct. Cool. So the fallen angel will provide that information to the computer, and the computer will break the code. And when they break the code, they will know how much power and where to direct that power in order to open that interdimensional portal that leads to the abyss. Now, why don't you think it's happened already? I mean, how long would it take this computer to break that code, or are they just waiting for the right fallen angel to pop in and be like, oh, sorry, I'm late. Here's the code. (laughs) Well, it's beyond their control. They're not in control of that information being provided. God's Uh, in control of that. See, none of this is outside of God's plan or outside of his control. It's his exquisite timing that is controlling that information and the flow of it. Yeah. You know what? You're, you're a pretty smart guy, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> no, I give all credit to the Lord. He's the one who shares this stuff with us. And, and the whole idea... <clears throat> whoa. Whoa. Oh, voice whoa. cracker. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Welcome to adulthood, Gons. <laughs> yeah, more ways than one you don't even know. Uh, what was I going to say? We were talking about the codes and God's exquisite timing. Oh, and yeah, Anthony the- Patch is a smart guy, but only because God lets him be. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the whole idea of a restrainer, right? And regardless of who you think the restrainer is, that restrainer is restraining. And then once the restrainer is removed, uh, all sorts of bad things happen. So maybe, yeah, you a- know, I think it's, I think that's a great point because this is, this is something that, uh, you know, people will say, you know, is obviously something scary. Heck, I've said it in this interview. That's a pretty scary thing. Everything's going on. But keeping in mind that God is in ultimate control, you know, it takes a load off my chest a little bit there. Yeah, and he kind of yeah, showed absolutely. us, right? What's up? I was just saying, he showed us in prophecy. It's kind of why these things are profound to us, you know, looking at biblical eschatology and then looking around going, hey, wait a minute, these companies and these guys like Jordy Rose are making these really cosmic claims, these these big claims about parallel universes overlapping and blah, blah, blah. And we know that the Bible, the Word of God, is a pretty cosmic book. It covers all of creation, and you know God's the one that holds creation together. So it's interesting to uh, tie those things together and start to see that you know uh, this is all part of God's plan within 
you know, our given free will world. Uh, I think he knew that in our fallen state that we would not have the best intentions for ourselves or creation. And here we have it. You know, I think we're moving in that direction, despite the fact that some of these technologies might help us. Uh, it might help us sustain our fallen state. You know, that's about yeah. it. So, Anthony, uh, this is a question for Anthony as well as Gons. Um, has anybody considered just maybe shooting off a quick email to D-Wave to tell them that they're uh, talking to you know, fallen angels and such? <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little heads up. I mean, who knows? Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're just like, well, this is cool. <laughs> and uh, and it I, hasn't I, occurred to them. Maybe these are you know uh, evil beings from another dimension who are uh, bent on the destruction of uh, humankind. Yeah, we won't sound crazy or anything. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. To well, whom? To whom it may concern. <laughs> they know because they visited me last summer, and that's when I kind of went off the radar for about four months because they visited me at a uh, event in which I was speaking. Uh, following the event, and their statement was, we like what you're saying, but we would like you to stop. Now, they didn't identify themselves. They didn't say they were from D-Wave or from NSA or anybody else. But it's kind of funny because within a couple of days of my pulling my Facebook page down and my you know, my YouTube channel had been pulled down, I didn't pull it down, um, and all of the electronic harassment I had been experiencing leading up to that encounter about three days later, ceased, and they left wow. me alone. Now, so, yeah, they know they're talking to the wrong people, but they quite honestly, they're just caught up in their own hubris, and right. they really don't care. Now, we all remember that, you know, that kind of period, uh, either last year or maybe a little bit before that, um, when you did kind of drop off the radar because of the, that incident after a speaking engagement. Um, now, I mean, you're you're back on the back on the old trail now, the old dusty trail, uh, coming out and talking and publishing things and writing new books and, uh, getting on the line with, uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, a couple of punks here on Canary Cry radio. Now, what, what changed? Did you have a couple guys in white suits show up and be like, you know, those guys in the black suits, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, obviously I am a born again Christian and I, like to think that I am in constant communication with our Lord. It's what I call a walking conversation. And it was after a lot of prayer, soul-searching, worrying about my family and my friends being affected by my activities. And it finally came to the point where I just realized, you know, this is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I have the Holy Spirit protecting me, the full armor of God. There is to be no fear because I am being guided by him, and he sets my course and keeps me on the narrow path, and I don't have a choice. I mean, I do, but I don't really have a choice. I have experienced enough in my life that it's very clear when the Lord is directing me and where he's directing me to. So in a nutshell, um, I'm just doing what I'm called to do, and... I have absolutely no fear whatsoever. I was only concerned about my family and my friends, and that's been addressed. And so we're on we're on with it now. Attaboy. So yeah, after coming back online, I guess uh, have you experienced any more uh, communications from unsavory fellows? No, it's funny. Um, the you know when we do Skype interviews, and I do them all around the world. 
Um, most of the time, the Skypes get interrupted when I get to certain things, especially when I'm talking about DNA modification. They really get kind of touchy with me on that. But other than just the Skype interruptions, I've been left alone, and no one has bothered or threatened me or my family. All right. Well, maybe we need to get into some DNA modification talk. <laughs> Are you trying to put his life in jeopardy? My goodness, Basil. <laughs> hey, I'm on this call, too. <laughs> Yeah, they can trace you. I know. I'm not hard to trace. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, what, what do you think about that in terms of... Harassment? Yeah. <laughs> no, DNA change. Oh, DNA. DNA change. Now, We've talked you, about that a lot, right? We've, yeah, I was going to say, we have talked about DNA modification quite a bit, and it's actually come up since the very beginning of Canary Cry Radio. It's nothing super new, but I mean, as far as... I mean, is is that something D-Wave is involved with? Is that part of this whole AI thing? Uh, I, I mean, I know, but we all know that DNA modification is being uh, attempted or is being, uh, it's uh, being perpe- done. It's perpetrated. Being done. No, I know, perpetrated on, uh, you know, on a lot of different fronts, whether it be chemical or, you know, whatever, food supply, water supply, all these types of things. But as far as the the D-Wave and the quantum computing goes, I mean, I guess, I guess these resources, as he so gently calls it, would definitely have some information regra- regarding that, considering it's part of the uh, part of the main evil plan. Well, D-Wave's not involved directly in uh, research as far as uh, modifying of the DNA or or actually constructing it from the four base chemicals and creating your your own pattern of DNA. They're not involved in that. Directly, but their role that's associated with it is that um, the greater purpose, the greater purpose of AI is to create a human brain as a computer, and that's essentially a biological computer that mimics a human brain. When they cite something like the AQC having the equivalent processing power of 7 billion human brains, they don't just pull that out of the hat. There's a specific reason they're citing human brains. It's because they're creating a computer that is has greater computing power and more awareness than a human brain. So most definitely they are at the leading edge of the artificial intelligence movement. But as far as DNA, the DNA is modified so that it works in conjunction with the artificial brain. When we hear about transhumanism, we hear about the merging of man and machine. Well, it's gone beyond that. We're talking about an artificially intelligent brain that is biological in its construct. And this is not the AQC. The AQC is basically a dinosaur in comparison to the biological brain that they are artificially constructing by using DNA that they have created from the base chemicals, the four building block chemicals, they are actually growing an artificial brain, not as qubits, but as an actual biological functioning brain that is connected to DNA as its source. So I'm going to stop here in a second, but they are growing a brain, if you will, from artificial DNA, and that's where I start getting into trouble with them because I'm revealing things that are beyond the adiabatic quantum computer. 
Yeah, it's really fascinating, too, because there's all kinds of possibilities with the resources that would be gathered to create, you know, this sort of project. You have rumors about, you know, finding back in 2003, the Tomb of mm-hmm. Gilgamesh, you know, and saying, and we didn't hear anything about it afterwards, right? But Gilgamesh was supposed to be a hybrid being, and it touches back to the whole Nephilim idea, you know, and there's other theories about Nimrod being part of the resurrected Antichrist, you know. So there's there's these ideas there that, that seem to be interesting, because what if they use a, the DNA from an ancient so-called lowercase g god, right? And they use that as part of the blueprint to connect into this artificial brain to help build it, you know, from the biological side of things. It's really fascinating. And then last week, less than a week ago from when we record this, the United States government lifted a ban on part human, part animal embryos. And so from the biological standpoint, they're in public already doing things that, you know, experimenting with human-animal hybrid uh, hybridization to, you know, they're saying, of course, to help the human and stuff like that. But if that's what's being allowed publicly, then we know there's all kinds of stuff happening, not necessarily, you know, covered up by the government, but rogue, going rogue from certain government institutions that may have been doing some pretty nasty things there. And so it looks like eventually there might be a point where, you know, these underground biology sort of labs bring their information to, you know, folks at D-Wave or whatever, and they compare notes and they can sort of fuse it to where, you know, the biological systems at a large scale can be disseminated that's tied in directly to these quantum computers. So, you know, again, just painting a possible scenario that seems to reflect the direction of how, how and where things are going, and it sounds awfully like what we read about in Revelation 13. It is, and let me give you a little bit of history. When we talk about particle accelerators, um, particle accelerators were developed originally for the understanding of how to construct bigger and better, so to speak, nuclear bombs. The other offshoot from that was medical research. And predominantly, the research that has been done with particle accelerators, synchrotron particle accelerators around the world, has been for the purpose of studying DNA. Now, in my books, I talk about the one at Berkeley, which is called the um, Advanced Light Source Building. It's a synchrotron ring-based particle accelerator. This comes from Dr. Lawrence and Oppenheimer and Teller, all the guys that worked on the original Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb, World War II era. That moves all the way to the present time in which they were using the synchrotron to generate high luminosity, high power x-rays to infer the structure and shape of the proteins making up our DNA and then going beyond the protein down to the four base chemicals. Now I'm going to refer to another guy, uh, Dr. Craig Ventner. Craig Ventner, you can find him on YouTube, a lot of his um, presentations. He did one to NASA a few years ago that you really should look up. Um, the point of he, he bringing him up is that he is the one who was involved in the first sequencing of human DNA. It was specifically his own DNA that was sequenced. He runs a place down south called, in Southern California, called the Human Longevity Institute. They are trying to achieve immortality. They are buying into the original lie from the Garden of Eden 
that ye shall be as gods. The whole thing about DNA is achieving immortality. When we talk about artificial intelligence, we're talking about immortality. They can actually take and design their own DNA and sequence that DNA the way they want, and they can take fallen angel DNA and they can sequence it, establish the digital pattern, and then reproduce that digitally in the computer. And then if you want to talk about something like a 3D printer, use a sequencer that will then assemble the four base chemicals in the pattern of the fallen angels and literally grow that DNA into a living life form. So you have the ability to create whatever you want using digital DNA that runs through a sequencer. You know, it's interesting. It taps into the human imagination so much, you know, and I feel like part of the reason why, you know, some of the prophetic passages are so fantastic, you know, and sort of, I guess, uh, almost unreal is because it does seem to reflect this ability for humans to have this great imagination. And I, and I talk about imagination because it's a powerful tool that we have as humans and, Back at the Tower of Babel, God didn't allow certain things to progress to a certain level, but it seems like we're doing the, ex- the exact same thing here where it taps into human imagination and because we are fallen, and especially these folks who seem to have the access to these high-level technologies, you know, they're led by probably most likely, and maybe not everybody, but most likely a lot of those folks are being led astray and are being led by these fallen spirits to continue to work on this. Um, sort of thing to build it, uh, which also I think fulfills prophecy to a certain extent. When you read Revelation 13, it talks about the people building the image. And so, so, you know, it it ties into a whole bigger thing, but it's just fascinating to consider that all these different moving parts that seemingly don't have any connection, we're starting to see it converge quite a bit. Transhumanism was just something we talked about all the time on the show. It feels like it doesn't have anything to do with it on the surface, but then you start talking about the DNA, you start talking about brain mapping and what the computer can do, the quantum computer can do, and things just start to get really interesting and uh, almost to the point where even language breaks down, right? Certain definitions of how we define reality starts to sort of not make sense anymore. (laughs) We don't have the words to really explain or describe what's going on. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, certain individuals being led by uh, uh, some nasty forces or beings or whatever. But like was mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, it's like they don't necessarily have to be occult masters in order to be led by things. Because that's kind of the traditional view of it is that, you know, these guys, uh, they lock up the lab and then they go over to... uh, you know, Bob's house and they go in the basement and they sacrifice uh, some animals or who knows, maybe even some people. And then they get a little text message from a demon telling them what to do next. But, <laughs> but like you were saying, uh, with the human imagination, I mean, it, it's so easy to guide human beings uh, without being detected. And that, that certainly can be the case is that a lot of these uh, you know, scientists or, or technological uh, enthusiasts are often just led astray by, um, you know, the the influence on their own imaginations by, uh, you know, certain forces or beings that are, are not agree. so nice. I agree. So they're victims in their own right 
and uh, they need Jesus and another good reason to shoot them off an email. <laughs> Basil's on this campaign. We're gonna. It's, it's going to turn into this political thing, and it's not going to look good. It's going to be a Kickstarter to buy a computer. Down, uh, down with the computer, And then it's going to be an email campaign just trying to get them to uh, go to church. <laughs> well, I'll give you a little something uh, I, um, on the lighter side. I had a gentleman who's sent me emails in the past uh, communicate with me today, and he said, I'm going to contact some of the high people in the Trump campaign. Oh, boy. And I want them to ask Trump to become aware of the activities at CERN and see if he can do something on the international level to stop CERN from achieving their goals. Wow. And I wrote back to him and I said, well, if you want my involvement, have him give me a call. I'll have a great time bringing them up to speed about what's going on. <laughs> or they can go to YouTube and look at about 300 hours worth of interviews that will explain it all. Right. right. But uh, I said, you know, I don't think Trump's going to have any interest in it. <laughs> frankly, according to the book of Revelation, they will be successful in opening the doorway to the abyss. Yeah. The Large Hadron Collider, that thing is huge. <laughs> I knew there was something there. Come on, I tried. Yeah, you tried, <laughs> you tried, you had to. But you know, that that really does bring up an interesting point, though. Um, you know, because of the political and social upheaval right now, the technology that's progressing is not mainstream right now. You know, if if the politicians, if we had real, true politics, okay, not this... TV show that we have in this country oh, right now. <laughs> getting political. Well, I might, I might get in trouble for saying that, I guess, maybe. Um, no, whatever. I don't care. This <laughs> reality TV show called Politics that's on television now, if it wasn't that, if it was real, right, if it was actual real people who want to, you know, help continue to build the country, blah, 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 I would think that this sort of conversation about technology, about biotechnology, the ethics of bioengineering, these will be at the forefront of the issues being discussed because that's really invasive, you know, <laughs> towards yep. not just our medicine. And yes, you know, we, we want to become better with medicine and things like that and help us recover, help us heal. But, you know, again, there's that slippery slope where how much is too much? Uh, is there any sort of jurisdiction? Is there any sort of red tape on some of these things? Um, you know, the things that have gone rogue, and I'm almost willing to think that there's guaranteed rogue groups or something that happened within that, you know, got a hold of this sort of technology. And Is that a Sarah stuff. Palin reference? No, not necessarily. Okay. But maybe, I don't know, was it? <laughs> I didn't mean it to be, but if, I, if I hit on that something. Was, that was her thing. Oh, it was her thing? Okay. Oh, Anyways, okay. continue. Well, anyway. Yeah, so if those sorts of things are going on, obviously those things aren't public. Right. They wouldn't say like, hey, uh, this this guy, you know, uh, created Mothman and, and that's what Mothman is, you know, just some crazy, uh, you know, lab experiment gone wrong with human DNA and bugs or whatever. They wouldn't say anything like that. So with all that going yeah. on that we don't know about, it just makes the whole thing even crazier. Yeah, I guess it begs the question, why aren't the topics in science that we're discussing part of the platform of these campaigns? And I yeah. guess, in my opinion, it's because 
it's purposefully being obfuscated. I love that word, obfuscated, because it's yeah, being that's covered a good up. One. The purpose of the cover-up is control. The ultimate goal of Satan is to control God's creation, uh, actually to destroy it. But in the main, meantime, in the midterm, it's to control us. And so the politicians are just part of that game of control. They don't want to disrupt the game. They're part of it. Oh, yeah, and Hillary Clinton's history with uh, the Rothschilds and you know some of the UFO file stuff and the rumors, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I didn't mean to get political you know, with this discussion, but I, I wanted to bring it up because there is a void. There's an obvious void of discussing these really important issues of science, progress, and technology uh, that are it's just completely absent in, in the discussions in the political specter. Well, you could ask this question of people on the street, sort of the man on the street thing. I picture Jay Leno when he used to do that on The Tonight Show. But you go up to the average person and say, have you ever heard of CERN? Have you ever heard of the Large Hadron Collider? Their eyes would glaze over. They go, what language are you speaking? (laughs) Science is just not part of the public consciousness. Right, but everybody can identify who Pikachu is, so... (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say, is that you can make cultural references, and, and that's the only place where you can sort of get people to think, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's a TV show, or that's a yeah. movie. or you know, and So there's that automatic sort of denial or that, that barrier that makes people not believe it's true. You know? And I think a lot of things, actually, a lot of stories and things maybe that have happened behind the scenes, CIA, FBI, high-level stuff, has been put into Hollywood storylines. And I think there's a lot of it that's out there that we don't even realize is like, oh, wow, this is based on actual true stuff. Right. Uh, but it's actually just a movie, right? So, right. So, Anthony, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think is coming next? What is the next thing? You know, you, uh, you've mentioned some predictions. You've mentioned some, uh, well, maybe theories or maybe more than theories. But what do you think is going to be the next hard piece of uh, evidence or information that comes out of your research or the research of others that's going to take everything to the next step? Well, I think the things that I have on my website right now pretty much do that. It takes it to a, a new level. I'm covering things like the key to the bottomless pit, the Mandela portals. I'm showing the game for what it really is, and I'm talking about you know how the D-Wave computer operates. But specifically to the Large Hadron Collider, there's a couple of things that I'm presenting that we haven't really talked about tonight. Um, but even before I get into that is to say that what CERN is doing right now is combining two particle accelerators. They're taking the Large Hadron Collider, which is a circular synchrotron, and they're combining it with a straight-line linear accelerator called AWAKE. Right. And that's a, that's a plasma wake field accelerator. It's a thousand times more powerful than the 27-kilometer ring of the LHC, and it's only 30 meters long. They're combining those two machines. What we're waiting for, and there's more I can give you, but what we're waiting for and they're doing right now is calibrating the awake accelerator. But it looks to me, and I'm not a date setter, I say that all the time, but as best as I can say, it's going to be early next year when this um, 
the power levels are really going to be realized at CERN that they're shooting for, the power levels that are necessary to actually open the portal. And I'm thinking that it's going to be, and, I, and please don't anybody hold me to this, it's just a wild-ass guess on my part, but it looks like around September of next year is when they may be able to actually open the portal. So the yeah. power levels we're talking about is 20 PEV. Now, let me give you a little history. Back in All October, right. I went on the Kev Baker Show, and I said, and everything that I present comes right out of pure research, comes out of white papers, comes out of published journals. Everything is factual. Back in October, I said the LHC is running at 13 tera electron volts. That's about the maximum. But they are going to go to one peta electron volts. That's quadrillion. They're moving from trillion to quadrillion. Three weeks later, CERN came out and put out a press release and said, yeah, we did. We hit 1.14 peta electron volts. Now, that's a huge quantum leap from tera-electron volts, which is where they're operating at now, to peta-electron volts, but it was only one. Where they're going with the combination of these two accelerators is 20 peta-electron volts. Now, you can't even put that in a context. All I'm saying is that's the power that's necessary to break the bonds of the tetrahedron of the strangelets to open the portal. Number two, and jump in right now if you want, and then I'll go to number two. Keep it rolling, buddy. There's <laughs> not much to add to that. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Let's, okay. let's so keep it going. We got the power level at 20 peta electron volts. That's quadrillions. Now we're going to a new name for the LHC. It's going to be called, and they may not even put it out for public consumption, but the actual name operating within the circles at CERN is the V-H-E-E-P, and this is on my website. It's called the Very High Energy Electron Proton. That means that they're realizing very high energies by colliding electrons and protons at 20 PeV. They'll actually be colliding photons as well. Anyway, trying to keep it simple. Well, and, and just just to give people the, the idea of what that means, I mean, right now they're smashing particles that theoretically have mass right but right. if you smash a what did you say a proton they're going to be smashing uh eventually they're going to be later on photons they'll be colliding yeah. with a fixed target and that fixed target is composed of strangelets a quark gluon condensate the most explosive the most powerful explosive in the known universe are strangelets and they're going to be directing accelerated photons at a fixed target of strangelets, and that's where you're going to get the 20 PeV, and that's what they're going to break apart are the strangelets to open the portal. And photons, they don't ha have any mass, right? They're just shooting a... I mean, photons are pretty uh, mysterious uh, molecule as far as I know. Right, but in the terms of quantum physics, you have to also take into account what is known as the wave-particle du duality. There you particles go. can also be energy at the same time as having mass. It can be both states at the same time. So don't think of photons as simply light energy, like we do when we think about visible light. It actually does have mass at the quantum level. 
So without getting technical, though, you know, uh, th- can they control the state, whether it's a wave or a solid? Is that because if they're going to smash them together, they have some level of control over the photon, right? Right. And that's why you're using other particles like an electron to accelerate it through plasma. And as it accelerates through the plasma, it gains mass. See, the thing that you have to understand in particle acceleration is that there's a thing called resting mass. Before you accelerate the particle, it has a given mass. As you accelerate it to the threshold of the speed of light, it gains in energy and it gains in mass as well. So you are actually increasing a thousand-fold and more, but a thousand-fold is one starting point. The mass of a particle as you accelerate it near the speed of light, so that by the time they collide at near the speed of light, they have increased their mass and their energy equivalency by a thousand times. Now, it's exceeded that, but that's just a starting point. So it sounds like, I mean, to the layman, it sounds like they're trying to blow up everything. (laughs) Well, they need enough power. They need enough explosive power to break at the quantum level what is known as the nuclear force, the nuclear bond. There are four forces in known physics, four primary forces, and they're trying to break the gluon force that attracts the... um, quarks to one another. There's a binding force called gluons that holds these quarks together. And that is arranged in a tetrahedral shape. And when they are able to break the gluon bond, it's like the unfolding of the petals of a flower. And in that unfolding of that tetrahedron, that triangle, the pyramid, if you will, that allows you access to a stable, large-scale portal. Now, the portal at the quantum level is going to be obviously very small, but it's going to expand rapidly, and this is where the D-Wave computer comes back into play. This is why you have an artificially intelligent computer composed of 4,096 qubits that is already operating interdimensionally. It is needed to control the rate of expansion and stabilization of that opening of that right. portal. Okay? Yeah, that was going to be my next question because when you, you know, you hear in the news or in the, you know, the very basic, uh, even on basic alternative media that LHC is going to open up a black hole and then, you know, that black hole is going to expand and swallow the planet and then that's, mm-hmm. that's that. Um, but you're saying that where the connection is with D-Wave and the quantum computing is that that's the intelligence, the artificial intelligence that's going to be able to help us contain this uh, disastrously powerful portal between dimensions. And that ability to control that is the key. It is that key to the coded information that's required to open and control the opening to the abyss. The problem is these guys haven't read the Bible. Yep. Another reason for, you know, those emails I was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going to be quite a shock when they open that up and realize that the Bible was real and true. You know, I've, I've seen the movie Stargate, you know, they, they open the portal and and they send a probe through first, right? 
are they planning to do anything like that? You know, are they, do they have any sort of protocol to like, hey, let's let's send an apple through or something? You they're going to send see. a golden Elvis record through <laughs> and like a <laughs> copy of Pac-Man? No, this is strictly just a receiving. I mean, they are talking in their own pr- press releases, talking about sending messages through the portal and communicating with other entities. And there have been scientists outside of CERN that have said, you know, you don't necessarily, even Elon Musk, the industrial tycoon, he's even said, you don't, you don't really want to do this. You don't really want to communicate with those entities. Dr. Stephen Hawking has even said, you don't want to do this. You don't want to open this up because you don't want to let through what's coming from the other side. It's not going to be good for humanity. So, you know, there are those. But, no, they're not going to send a probe through. This is really more of a receiving process than it is anything else. Right. I found it peculiar that Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking both came out and said it at very, um, I think timing wise, it was pretty close together. Uh, yep. It was very interesting. You know, there's got to be some stuff going on, some drama at that sort of elite level of billionaires or whatever. I'm sure some of the conversations and, and things happening there are television show worthy, you know, <laughs> some strange stuff. Again, tying it into all the different things going on in the world with and I mention this because I think there is a connection point with the Vatican and the Pope preparing everybody for a universal religion and, you know, even talking about the alien stuff and Tom Horn and then discussing, you know, the, the whole Pope announcing alien beings. Again, I think there's a connection point there with these other entities that are being contacted. And um, do you see this as being a, a sort of an announcement or do you think it's just going to happen? And, and, you know, because there's two ways sort of uh, scenario-wise that people have painted, you know, like a, a press conference or the Antichrist comes out and, you know, here he is and, and people worship him or whatever. Or do you think it's going to be more stuff happening and we're just going to have to deal with it in terms of seeing these entities and interacting or, you know, knocking them out with the power of the Holy Spirit and sending them back to where they belong or whatever we're going to do. Jesus fireballs. <laughs> Jesus fireballs at these demons. What do you think it's going to look like? Well, I take my cue from the book of Revelation in terms of the locust army being released and all of that, and, you know, the fire and smoke and the, you know, the sun being darkened and all of that sort of thing. But to be more tangible, I guess, in my response is this. People are being programmed to accept the one world government and the single leader, the dictator, They want someone who's going to lead them out of the chaos that is purposefully being created around the world. And you and I talked about, you know, things like the Monarch Project and mind control and the whole thing of, you know, MKUltra. And people on a mass scale are being programmed akin to those targeted individuals of those old programs. So what we have are people being prepared to accept a new system to accept the uniting of the world under one leader who's going to solve all of the problems, some sort of supposed, you know, benevolent leader. But at the same time, there's going to be this disclosure that we've talked about many times in the whole UFO movement of disclosure. Really, the way I see it is that the portal will be opened at a time of chaos. People will welcome the fact that there are benevolent entities coming through the portal 
to solve all of the world's problems, and that the Antichrist, as we would relate it, the beast, will be this new dictator, and people will welcome, because they are deceived. They're not guided by the Holy Spirit. They're gui- they are being guided by the other side. So the way I see it playing out is that the portal opens at a time of chaos. Nobody knows that the portal is open. It isn't like people are going, hey, CERN was successful. Nobody's even going to know that it was CERN. They're simply going to see the effects of the portal being opened and initially thinking that it's a good thing. And then comes the bad stuff. That's how I see it playing out. Do you think that there's any kind of celestial alignment involved in this from the occult perspective? Um, you know, there's been some reports of September 23rd, 2017 being a time when Virgo lines up. And if you go to Revelation 12, there is a, a description about the woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, 12 stars over her head or 12, uh, yeah, 12 stars over her head. And on September 23rd, 2017, you have that Virgo is clothed in the sun and you have that whole lineup there. Maybe not, you know, again, not saying that there's any significance or true power in that, but in terms of from the occult perspective, they would like to, you know, do these things. And maybe there is from their end, some sort of prophecy or some sort of information that's been passed down to do things at a certain appointed time for best effect. Right. Well, that's why I was directing things earlier. I said it looked like September of next year, and you hit right on the head why I'm picking that out. Again, both of us are not predicting, you know, dates or saying absolutes or anything like that, but there is that conjunction that's taking place. And you've got to say, you know, why is that so specifically cited in the book of Revelation unless it actually has, you know, significance to what's going on here. And, you know, Satan knows the Bible better than you or I do. He he knows Scripture better than we do. It doesn't mean that he's all-knowing or all-powerful, but at the same time, he's guiding his minions and his agenda according to uh, the book of Revelation. But he knows that his time is short. But in his own hubris, he believes that he can kill God. And part of what's going on at CERN and other labs around the world is not only the DNA that we've discussed, that research, that manipulation, but also these are weapons programs. So you've got to understand that weapons are being developed for this war that's coming. And Satan believes that he can create his own version of heaven on earth, his own race of beings, and that he can actually kill God. And that comes right out of Scripture as well. Yeah, and it's possible that um, some of these space probes or whatever could be, you know, and especially those probes that went out um, last year in that tetrahedral shape out in space, uh, you know, could they be some sort of conduit to control the energy coming out of CERN to try to blast Jesus as he comes back, you know, so that kind of thing. <laughs> Jesus gun. Yeah, but then Jesus speaks and then everything, you know. Yeah, uh, we know how it comes Yeah, out. it's all, you know, kind of Jesus comes back and he sort of is like, eh, you guys had your time. Yeah. Little satellite, bro. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, man believes that he's all powerful and has all the answers and, you know, is going to be successful in doing all this. And that's the whole deception of what's taking place because the knowledge and the power that man has is so infantile compared to what God has. And we don't have the ability to know and see what God 
knows and sees and what he's controlling and what his plan is. We don't see the big purpose. We don't know everything. We haven't been given brains that are sufficient to know that. So we are limited. So again, I like to use the word hubris because we're full of ourselves when we think that we are so smart that we can actually do better than God. Right. So what do you think the importance is uh, for people such as ourselves and our listeners, our very intelligent, good-looking listeners, um, to be up-to-date and up-to-speed on these sorts of things, knowing what's going on? You know, I, uh, you know on, on one hand, we feel like, uh, you know, it's good to know the, all the evil stuff going on, so, I don't know, we can pray against it and we can know where we are on the biblical end times timeline and things like that. Um, but, I mean, is... Uh, in your personal opinion, what's what's the uh, what's the advantage to knowing, you know, about this quantum uh, portal opening and all these sorts of things regarding CERN and things? I think you know overall, it's our purpose in our mission is to you know save people to bring them to knowing Christ and accepting the Holy Spirit, but in that process is revealing to people that they are they are being deceived and that they have been lied to and who the ultimate liar is. Mm. I think by sharing information, you can open up people's eyes and they can come to the realization on their own that they are being deceived and they're being manipulated and to no good end. And in that also, hopefully, I would think that people would begin to use their own critical thinking skills. A lot of what has been lost by entertainment, um, television, sports, politics, all of these things are distractions, but even more so than distractions, they're actually dumbing people down, and dumbing people down really means forcing them not to think, to to not use their critical thinking skills, to not be analytical. So, for people to stop and turn away from their television or whatever else is distracting in their Pokemon games or whatever, and to actually begin to think critically about the world around them, their environment, to think about things like their you know, soul, to think about what's going to happen after you die, to think about who's controlling right now behind the scenes. This is what I hope people will come to appreciate when they get information like this, which is, you know, very high-tech and sometimes speculative and sometimes it sounds science fiction, but to begin to look at things and say, wow, there really is a whole other world going on out there, and I have been lied to, and maybe I need to take the Bible seriously, and I should explore a relationship with Jesus Christ because my soul is in peril. Yeah, Amen. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So what there you're you both go. saying is that Canary Cry Radio is better for you than Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. No yep. no augmented realities yet from Canary Cry Radio, though. There you go. That's it's our coming. Uh, uh, augmented uh, digital basil head, which, oh, which is uh, terrifying. You can point your iPhone anywhere and be hanging out with Basil, and you have to catch him with a Pokeball. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That is terrifying. That's the most terrifying thing that you've said all all night. (laughs) 
All right. So, so no, that's a very good answer. You know, I think more than anything, and I, I think, Gonzo, you agree, one of our biggest passions with Canary Cry Radio is not necessarily telling people what to believe, but to give them an avenue with which to expand their current worldview. You know, a lot of people's worldview is consumed by politics and which uh which candidate they want to win or which pokemon they want to catch or the new season of game of thrones uh you know all stuff like that but there's this is a big world a big universe a big uh you know including spiritual uh, things and other dimensions and things like that and and even just taking the time to stop and think about these things even if you're not doing hardcore research like uh, Sir Anthony Patch here. Um, you know, even if you're not devoting large portions of your life to uncovering the mysteries and secrets of the, uh, the dark government or the dark workings of this world, just the fact that you're taking the time to stop, listen, and think about things bigger than the tiny world that they've constructed you for, uh, I, I, I am very proud that we're able to, uh, to, to bring that to people and, uh, more than anything, just experience it myself. Yeah. I think our job too is to, we, we can show people where to go to look for information, what kind of information is out there. And again, like you said, it's important for people to come to their own conclusions about this stuff. And that's why, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. But we, we are looking at the very words of those who are out there publicly you know, none of this stuff, and I think, Anthony, you would agree, we're not just, like, coming up with stuff, right? We're not just, like, making stuff <laughs> up. We are actually responding to the published material, both in scientific papers, but also, you know, news items and, you know, the media group and everything, and sort of looking at the bigger picture and, and seeing a pattern. Uh, I do want to mention, and I and I know a lot of people have asked me specifically about this, and I know, Anthony, that's you've probably heard about it, too, but... A few weeks ago, a picture was circulated on the internet, and it was uh, it looked like a heavy uh, storm and almost like a spiral in the sky. Not quite a spiral, but uh, it was supposed to be over Geneva, Switzerland, and you can see the thunder and lightning, and it's a pretty spectacular picture. And uh, you know, people were saying, "Oh, it's CERN, the portal's opening," and there you go. Now, I'm one to believe that it's possible that you know storms have magnetic properties, right? So it's possible that. That you know the the collider is causing these sorts of magnetic waves and spirals into the local area that can cause the clouds to do weird things. Totally possible, uh, but at the same time, I, there's no way for us to really you know know for sure. And it's based on a picture. And actually, uh, the actual Facebook post was in another language. I can't remember if it was French or or maybe it was Swiss. But when I translated it, they actually said, "Hey, this is a picture of Geneva, Switzerland." Some people have used my picture without permission to make it into this crazy science fiction thing, but, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact quote, but this guy knew that some people took his picture and made it into this, you know, big conspiracy thing with CERN, and he was trying to, like, deny that, you know? But, mm-hmm. but I thought it was funny that the picture like this got so much attention and almost everything coming out of Switzerland that's even remotely supernatural, you know, we grab it over here and say, oh, it's, the, it's CERN, it's the portal. And, it's interesting to watch because we, we don't know. We only know, you know, certain things with social media, what the press tells us. And perhaps you have some insiders that you can get some information from. But main point being, we're not making this up. You know, we're, we're, we're connecting the dots and we're yep. taking the approach that the word of God is final. And ultimately, 
you know, that's what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, whatever it may look like under God's plan. Uh, so we're not worried about it too much, but here it is. Here's where we are. And, you know, if the Lord doesn't return for another hundred years, maybe they'll listen to this episode of Canary Cry and they'll think, yeah, those guys were nuts. Or they'll say, <laughs> those guys were onto something <laughs> even back then. Well, I agree. I mean, the bottom line is no fear. As long as you turn to the Lord, no fear. There's no reason to fear any of this. But these are touch points, and these are things that we can relate to the Bible and show the progression of prophecy as it's unfolding. And there's a number of other ways to look at prophecy unfolding. You can look at the Middle East and what's happening there with the wars and the different countries and the border squabbles. But the point here also is that, um, you know, we are presenting a lot of scientific information that really isn't heard anywhere else. And it isn't made up. It isn't fantasy. This is factual information that just, again, is to try to get people to think critically and question on their own and do their own explorations and realize that what we're talking about really is happening. Um, I think that the thing that I find interesting in all of this is that my relationship with the Lord is one in which um, he shows me the humor in things. You asked me earlier about when I first encountered the Mandela effect, and I laughed about it. It may sound kind of perverse, but I look at what's going on with the LHC and with D-Wave and all this stuff, and I laugh. And I laugh because I realize how futile this is. And I laugh because it is a game but unfortunately, it's a very serious game and a deadly one and a sole consequential game. And so I, I laugh at it when I recognize what's going on because it's shared with me through the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, it is sad to think that so many people are being deceived, including very brilliant scientists around the world. And, uh, you know, that's, that's depressing. That's a bummer. Yeah. Well, Anthony Patch, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Before we go, I want to give you a chance to have any more last words, which you've actually, you've already had such wise and wonderful last words. But if there's anything else you wanted to share with anybody, and then I wanted to make sure that in case anybody has missed it on any of the other uh, interviews that you've done, uh, once you give us your website and if you, uh, you know, are taking questions, you can give out your email or whatever you want. Yeah, my, uh, I appreciate that. My website is anthonypatch.com. It's real simple, just A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-P-A-T-C-H. And there's a contact tab. You can go there and send your questions to me. I'm happy to answer them. Um, you know, really, I appreciate the fact that you guys go to all the effort to put information out and to do it in a very professional way and to not put out disinformation. When Gons, you're talking about, you know, the, the guy's photography being used for sensational purposes relating it to CERN, there's a lot of things that are affected by the machine. Uh, the magnetosphere, the magnetopause, is electrically disturbed by the um, superconducting magnets at CERN. That's a proven fact. It's also producing... Um, you know, effects on the terrestrial level. It's, it is causing earthquakes and volcanic activity to increase when the machine is running. When they hit 20 petaelectron volts, 
you know, it may very well split the planet. Who knows? I mean, but the point is, we're not about sensationalism. We're putting out facts derived from legitimate sources. We're not trying to cause fear, and we're not trying to create a lot of hype and sensational, you know, statements. And a lot of things that are related to CERN are put out on YouTube, et cetera, that are pure nonsense. Some of it is purposeful disinformation. And my part of my mission is to debunk that disinformation and to call those people out as disinformation sources, but more specifically to be, you know, sober, present the information in a factual manner, take the hype out of it, and if people want to send things to me and say, what do you think about this? I'll respond to it, and I will tell you whether I think it's legitimate or if it's just hype or disinformation or a psychological campaign that's going on. I'm happy to do that. That's part of my mission is to, is to you know, clear, clear the air, put the facts out there, and get rid of the fear. Yeah, and I know we're wrapping up, but your opinion on uh, Dr. Edward Mantiel and that whole, I'm a physicist at CERN and that whole thing. Have you read yeah. that? Total nonsense. Total nonsense. <laughs> completely made up. Um, it actually is a disinformation campaign. That is a blatant, it goes to, I don't know, six months ago, whatever, there was, there was a, a group of people on YouTube who were saying that CERN had blown up, that there was a nuclear detonation and there was a meltdown and thousands, you know, hundreds or whatever people were killed. Complete disinformation campaign. Again, these kinds of stories are put out there as part of that predictive human behavior modeling, those algorithms, I, I want to impress, a lot of things that are put out in the public arena are for the purpose of observing how people respond to these things and how they communicate it and to whom they are communicating the information. So this is kind of like making the list, all right? So when people are jumping on the bandwagon and promoting these stories and saying, boy, this is legitimate, and boy, this is bad, and all these things have happened, their names and their locations are being noted. Yeah. And it all goes into that algorithm. Yikes. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that the video that was published about that got a lot of views on YouTube very quickly, I think over a million right off the bat, shows that, you know, the, the, the psychology of the public that are looking at this sort of thing, they gravitate towards the sensational, um, whether it's true or not. So That's right. And, you know, somebody's making some money off of a million hits, but that's not your concern nor my concern or, you know, it, our job isn't here to make a whole bunch of money off of YouTube hits. I mean, I hardly ever put anything on YouTube. I know you guys do that a lot more than I do. Because you are, you know, doing this on a consistent basis. My head is down in these rabbit holes doing research, and then I bring it to you guys to be professional and put it out there. But yeah, they're really they're they're hyping things up, not just for the algorithm I keep talking about, but it's also to make money. Right. Well, there you go, everybody. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody, remember to go to anthonypatch.com. Is that correct? That's it. 
And there you go. Make sure to do that. There's all sorts of information, uh, just a ton, a ton, a ton more research that uh, Anthony has been working on for, for years now. And uh, you can learn more there and also send him a little contact form. Say hello. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. I'm, I'm really glad to get the chance to talk to you again. I know you and Gons are best pals, but, uh, you know, I'm here too. I like. I know. Well, I appreciate that. And let's do this again real soon. <laughs> Okay, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Good night, both of you. Good night. Well, there you go, everybody. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed that as much as we did. You know, having Anthony Patch back on the scene is is actually a big deal. Uh, you know, some of you do see that you recognize that you you're as excited as we are um, but those of you who may not know uh, as was talked about a little bit in the interview it's actually uh, a big deal to have him back on the scene so we're very grateful he's got a lot of great information and uh you know it's it's just so surprising how much things have advanced uh even even since we've been doing this show yeah there's been a lot going on and I would say, and we talked about this a little bit during the discussion, and I really just want to reiterate the point that, man, look back to when we started this show, this podcast back in 2012, which yep. March 2012. And, um, you know, the Olympics going on right now, it really was kind of a marker. Like, remember when we talked about the 2012 London Games and yeah. all the conspiracies surrounding How the it, aliens you know? were going to come down. Yeah. That day. And, and you know, that didn't happen. I actually told some, like, non-conspiracy nuts about that I would not be surprised if aliens landed. And they're like, really? Like, totally serious. Watch out for aliens. You just totally threw down all I your credibility. Totally, I totally threw down. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't necessarily uh, associate with those uh, same people anymore, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is that because they said you are a crazy person for probably thinking Probably because I told them I'm 100% sure aliens are going to land at the 2012 <laughs> London Olympics. Yeah, and, uh, you know, all the stuff with this Olympics, the symbolism, obviously, those videos are out there i you know watch some of it and interesting stuff there nothing too blatant but then you know looks like some portal stuff there as well but but that being said we may still uh, touch on it on canary cry news talk i think it's our I, you know what i'm gonna call it our second spinoff podcast because i'm gonna i'm gonna consider the joy spiracy theory uh, a spinoff podcast yeah only hosted by me <laughs> I see my how it spin off. But right. now we've got a spin off together. Um and speaking of which, those uh Joy Spiracists out there, you can look forward to new episodes of that coming out soon. I have one in the can that I recorded uh without this uh fun new system, but uh after that it's gonna be great. We got some uh some 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 uh crowd favorites coming up. The Joy awesome. Theory dot yep. com. And also go to youtube.com slash face like the sun to check out videos. Yeah, check out some videos that Gons has been making with two broken hands. No, actually, my hands are a lot better now. Yeah, but they're still up there. Yeah. Did you label them? Yes, like, right hand, left like hand. Revelations unveiled uh, secret space program attacks. Aliens are here in parentheses. I made this with two broken hands. <laughs> No, I did not identify the videos I made with uh, oh. the broken hands uh, oh. on YouTube. Well, Although that might have been a good thing to do. I was going to say uh, you guys are just going to have to guess. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a you know time lapse video of my hands. You know, <laughs> if you're my ever toes watching, clicking the mouse. 
if you're ever watching a conspiracy video on YouTube and you say, and you think to yourself, man, it seems like the guy who made this had two broken hands. <laughs> you may be right. That was probably God's. <laughs> All right. But your hands are doing better now. They're doing better. Uh, okay. That's good to know. Yeah. But as I said, at the very top of the show, there's been a lot, a lot going on over here. A lot of changes. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's I feel like I'm in yes. the 2008 election all over again. <laughs> uh, change. We are you know promised change. I, I know what the big secret is, and I'm trying really hard to find the connection you're trying to make here. Um, but <laughs> well, it's it's beyond that thing too. You know, there was another uh-huh. thing that happened recently that uh, oh. it's kind of a big deal. You know all about sorts. it? I told you about it. I know all the things, right? Yeah, and the listeners don't. So this is probably infuriating. You're just gonna have to wait. Okay. <laughs> So there you go. There you go, guys. Um, again, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you to all of our donors, all of our supporters who stuck with us over the past couple months uh, while Canary Cry Radio took its longest break in history. Yeah. Um, but we're back in the game. We're back. And uh, again, thank you to all our supporters. Thank you to Lena. And uh, expect more soon, everybody. And keep an ear out for Canary Cry News Talk. We'll be featured here on this podcast stream for one or two or three episodes uh, just to get you hooked. And then uh, there you go. So this has been Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. You're thinking outside the cage. Good job. Thanks.